Thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zaire, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Well, good morning. It is good to be here. Um, I feel like we're making some progress. Uh, The last time I spoke, it was to an empty room, and I wasn't even here. I was just up on the screen. This time, it's an empty room, and I'm here. So I feel like next time, we'll be all in the same room together. I think we're we're moving in the right direction. And at least this time, we can say that it's not because of COVID or pandemic things that we're not together. You know, leaky or pipes and breaking pipes happen, and that's, that's progress in the right direction, too. So it's good to be together and be able to share together, at least, even in this way. You know, it's been a a season of having to face the reality that there's a lot that we don't control. For going on two years now, we've we've had to change the patterns of our living. We've all found that we can't plan and do things in ways that we would normally want to do them. We can't go where we want to go all the time. We can't do the things that we want to do all the time or see who we want to see. Our plans and sometimes our dreams have been put on hold. And we found it hard to think about moving forward because we, we didn't know what to expect next. We don't know what's going to happen next. And we might have been frustrated by limitations and, and wanting a clear endpoint. And, and Pete kind of talked about that too, wanting to, to know when this is going to end, but not having that, that sense and can't make plans because of it. And it's been a season of, of recognizing that we have a lot less control than what we think we have. And maybe that's a good lesson for us to, to learn and to think about. And if all of this had been true for a month or two months, we would have thought of this as a setback. But after almost two years of going on to this, it becomes a new reality for us. A new reality settles in, and we begin to develop new patterns and adapt to, to the reality that we're facing. We have to internal, or adjust our, our kind of internal settings, the way we think about things, the way we do things. It's true for us as individuals, and it's true for us as a church. And of course, in, in the midst of all of this, this pandemic stuff, you as a church family at KZMC have been going through other significant transition with Pastor Ryan moving on and, and Pastor Dennis retiring and, and other transitions, it, it just all adds up. And it's hard to, to think about what it looks like to move forward. How can we move forward? Can we move forward? But it feels to me like now that, that maybe we're beginning to enter a new season where we can start to think about what it looks like to move forward together. It seems like Maybe we just have to get through this one final wave and then maybe things will get back to to normal. We have that hope that's in front of us. And so I'm pleased to be on board with you now and to be working with with Pastor April and Pastor Deb and the leadership team and and all of you as we we think about and, and start to move together towards what it is that God has next for us. But how do we do that? 
I want to continue this, this conversation. A couple of weeks back when I shared uh, on a recorded message, it was, it was on this idea of moving forward. And, and so these next number of messages that I want to share uh, are really follow-ups to that message. And, and looking at how we shift from a season where we've had to stop and stay, where, where maybe things feel like they have seemed to have stalled a little bit, and we start to be able to move forward again. In the book of Deuteronomy, God led the Israelites to, to the very edge of the promised land. We know that they had wandered through the desert for, for a lot of years. And then they got to the promised land just outside the promised land, and God had them stop there for a while. And finally, after some significant time had passed, God spoke to them. In Deuteronomy 1, verses 6 to 8, and it says, the Lord, God our, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Look, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. You've stayed at this mountain long enough. In other words, I think what God is saying is don't let what is temporary become permanent. Don't plant yourself in a place that's not going to last. There is more ahead. And for the Israelites, there was a promised land, there was, a, there was ahead. You're not there yet. There, there's a plan that I have for you. You haven't accomplished it yet. You haven't fulfilled it yet. There's a plan for, for the nation of Israel to bless the world, and you haven't fulfilled it yet. And so today, in these next number of messages, I want us to look together at the book of Nehemiah and think about what it looks like for us to move forward and what lessons we can learn there. I want to suggest that the title of today's message, Dreaming Courageously, is something that we need to be able to do in order to move forward. Before we get into the passage, I'll read in a minute, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Let me give you a little bit of background. Around 587 B.C., the Babylonians, under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar, conquered Israel. They killed the leaders of Jerusalem, killed most of the people. They plundered the temple, stole everything of value out of the temple, destroyed it, burned it to the ground, destroyed most of the city of Jerusalem, knocked down its walls, burned its gates. And then they took the best and the brightest people of Jerusalem and they took them into captivity back to Babylon. And there, these Jewish people, they lived in exile for decades where they could only hope and pray for, for God's restoration, for God's deliverance and restoration of Israel. After around 50 years, in 539 B.C., there was a glimmer of hope when the nation of Persia, led by King Cyrus, overthrew Babylon. And there, shortly after that, King Cyrus began to let people go back to Jerusalem. He began to, to give them a glimmer of hope that maybe the nation of Israel would, would exist again, even if only as a province of, of that other nation. The result of that was that he allowed about 50,000 Jewish people to, to return to Jerusalem and to begin to rebuild the temple and begin to rebuild their, their worship of God. So it's in this, this same period where we see the, the events around the book of Nehemiah happening. Shortly after this initial group of people were able to go back to, to Jerusalem, we see the events of the book of Nehemiah starting to happen. Nehemiah is another Jewish person who's, 
whose life somehow has found favor with, with the king of Persia. And we see that Nehemiah was the king's cupbearer. A position of trust with the king. The cupbearer would, would bring all the drinks that, that the that king would want and would pour those drinks and would sample them himself to make sure they weren't poisoned. It was a, it was a position of high trust with the king. They would have some benefits of that too, living in the combat, living near the king, so they could always uh, have, have access to the king. And so it's in this, this context where we meet Nehemiah. And I'm going to read Nehemiah verses 1-11 to of chapter 1. In late autumn, in the months of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hen and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews that had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of unfailing love with those who love Him and obey His commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly for not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then, even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart to be kind to me. In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So Nehemiah begins by by telling people that, excuse me, by telling them how he's in the palace, his position, and and he meets some people that had just come back, some of those original fifty thousand that were sent back to Jerusalem to begin the rebuilding. And as Nehemiah asks how the rebuilding is going and receives bad news, we see how he's deeply impacted by it. The people are in trouble. They're in disgrace. The, the rebuilding is not going well. They're in danger. The city of Jerusalem is, is destroyed. It's rubble. The walls are broken down. The gates are burned. I think it's, it's hard for us to understand what that represented to them. Jerusalem was, was the heart of Israel. Jerusalem was, was where the temple was, where, where God Himself dwelled and met with the people. To have been taken away 
from that place, to be taken away in exile, for the, for the city to be destroyed, for the temple to be destroyed, it was like ceasing to exist as a nation. They'd been existing as, as a lost people, as an exiled and banished people, with no real place, no real identity in the world. And as they were allowed to start going back and rebuilding, there was hope that that might change, but, but those hopes were kind of dashed when, when Nehemiah hear, heard these uh, these words and heard that bad news. The hope of the people began to, to come back, but it was, it was dashed again. And so Nehemiah has to face a harsh reality. He has to come face to face with that, with that reality because the city was in ruins. In, in those days, a city without walls was basically an invitation for others to come in and plunder them and to steal from them and, and maybe kill them. All major cities had walls. It was their only way of defense. And so the people that were living there, that were trying to rebuild, were in constant danger. They were in constant opposition. Worse yet, this used to be the great city of Jerusalem. But now it was nothing. And the report says that the people were in disgrace. And so Nehemiah had to face that reality. And we see that in facing that reality, he, he wept. He lamented. He expressed his, his emotions, his sadness because of it. We see that in verse 4. He's deeply affected. He's, he's moved to tears. I think as we prepare to move forward as a people, we need to, to face the hard realities of, of things that we may have lost in this, this whole process. Like Nehemiah did. It takes courage to face the reality. It takes courage to acknowledge the loss, to acknowledge the heartbreak that we have gone through. It seems much easier for us to, to think that we can just walk it off, to think that we can just do this, the stiff upper lip thing and pretend that we're not affected by it, to suppress the emotions that come with that loss. But we need to grieve it. We need to acknowledge it. We need to mourn and express the emotions that come with it. I think for some of us, mourning, grieving is a little uncomfortable. And we, we try and avoid it. But in this story, in this, the story of Nehemiah, we see that, that this moment of grieving really is the beginning of the, the story of a great leader who, who helps to bring restoration to Jerusalem. But that story wouldn't have begun if Nehemiah hadn't stopped and faced the reality and dealt with it, and grieved with it. And that story would also not have happened if he had only stayed in that place of grief. He had to move on beyond that. And we see Nehemiah doing that. That as he he grieved, it it went on for days. It wasn't just a a short period of time. It wasn't just a couple of hours. It was a number of days where he, he dealt with that. But he didn't stay in that place. Next, we see Nehemiah praying courageously. And when we look at verses 5-11, to we see what that looks like. He he prays this prayer. And and in this prayer, we see all kinds of of great aspects, great elements of what prayer is. How prayer is both listening to God uh, and also talking to God. And so Nehemiah talks to God and and reminds God and praises God, praises Him for His greatness, for His goodness, reminds God of His promises. And begins to petition God for, for what is going to come next. And as we see him praying, 
as we see him petitioning God, expressing his, his own personal repentance as well as repentance for the whole people, we see in that, we don't see the details of it, but in verses 10 and 11 of that prayer, we see him start to begin to dream courageously as well. Nehemiah has faced the difficult realities. He's prayed courageously and boldly. And it seems that he has, uh, uh, begins to develop a bit of a dream and a plan to make that, that dream a reality. We don't see the de- details of it. But we see that it does require him to have the favor of the king. And he includes that aspect in his prayer. A plan is starting to form. A plan is starting to, to hatch as to, as to how to move forward. Requiring the favor of the king, asking for the favor of the king, was not a small thing. To make a request of the king was dangerous. It was risky. It could go very badly. Kings and people in that kind of position had all kinds of authority, could do whatever they wanted. And if they were in a bad mood or a bad place, and you come to them with a petition, it could go very badly for you. And so he includes in this prayer a request for God to hear and to act and to intervene as Nehemiah starts to seek the favor of the king in the, the outmoving of this plan. We're going to stop there for today. But for the next few weeks as we continue to, to look at the story of Nehemiah, we're going to see that, that the wisdom that, that guided him towards success, and we're going to see it moving towards restoration. Today, it begins with a call to, to face forward, to face with courage the reality, to face what we've lost, to be honest with God about what we've lost, to express those feelings, to express those, those emotions, and to bring those things to God. Not just deal with them ourselves, not just keep them internal, but share them with each other, but also share them with God and confess to God how we're feeling. Confess that we have lost. As we do that, and as we pour our hearts out to God and and share with God, I believe God begins to equip us to be able to move forward. In this this pandemic season and with the other transitions that have been happening, it might feel like we've been walking around in in the broken down rubble of, of our lives. We may not even realize it. There are challenges that maybe we we don't want to face. We've avoided reality. We've avoided dealing with the reality of our loss because it it hurts so badly to deal with it. I think as we begin this this moving forward period, God is inviting us to take those hurts, to take the reality of our loss and our brokenness and bring them to Him. And let God begin to to put the pieces together. Let God begin to heal us. And as we do that as we do it together as, as a body, as a community, and as we do it individually, we bring these things to God, I believe that God will begin to, to give us a vision for what is next. As He p- puts the pieces together, He begins to prepare us to move forward into what is next. Restoration begins with the courage to face reality and the courage to, to begin to dream courageously. Will you and I dare to face it? Will you and I dare to dream courageously? 
and allow God to speak to us and work in us and move in us as we begin to move forward together. Let's pray. God, thank You for the journey that You led Nehemiah on and the people of Israel, how You were present with them even in the midst of incredible difficulty. Thank You for the example that that You gave us through Nehemiah, through having the events of his life recorded in Your Word. That we could see some principles, see some, some lessons from his life that we can apply to our lives. God, we confess to you that that we've gone through difficult times. For almost two years, we've we've suffered loss, we've suffered separation, we've suffered not being able to to meet together as your people in the way that we want to, to worship together as your people the way we want to. We've maybe lost loved ones. We've maybe looked back at these two years and we we, we they seem like like lost years. They seem like like nothingness. And so God, we bring all those things to You and we confess them to You. We confess our hurt. And we ask You to to work in us, to to heal us by Your Holy Spirit. And as we do that, God, as we bring our hurt to You, as we bring the realities, the hard realities to You, we invite You to speak to us. We invite You to work in us. To work in our hearts to begin to prepare us for what it is you have next. God, it's never your desire for us to stay put like the Israelites weren't supposed to stay just outside that promised land forever. That wasn't a permanent place for them. That was a a resting place. It was a temporary place. God, prepare us for what is next and help us to hear your voice and trust you as we start to move forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.